Welcome to the Veterinary Success Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Douglas. We're going to hit our sponsors here in just a second, then jump into the episode. But before we do, make sure you stick around throughout the end of the interview and check out the show notes for great opportunities for associateships, partnerships, and more. If you're a practice owner, you want to find great people, and you want to list a job opportunity or just looking for certain things that your peers out there that are veterinarians could um, benefit from, feel free to shoot me an email. Isaiah at veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. I will do my best to get those up at the end of different episodes. Um, There's no charge for that. My role, my job is to connect good people with good people. So with that, we will hit our sponsors and be right into the interview. If you're struggling to attract new staff or your team is experiencing burnout, pick up your phone and call Guardian Vets. Through virtual team solutions like after-hour triage, daytime virtual receptionists, callbacks, and telemedicine, Guardian Vets can help you have happy staff, happy clients, and a thriving business. Go to www.guardianvets.com and check Veterinary Success Podcast in the Where Did You Hear About Us section to get a free consultation and receive 50% off your first month of service. Don't wait. Check out guardianvets.com now. Find out for yourself why my friends at Shepherd Veterinary Software are the fastest growing practice management software. Hint, they're doing something right. Founded by Dr. Cindy Barnes, Shepard is an intuitive, easy-to-learn, streamlines practice management. Built for vets, by vets, it works for you and your team so you have more time to spend on what's most important, your patients. Shepard automatically updates the medical records, adds services to the invoice, generates discharge instructions, and so much more. Bring home more stories and less stress. Check them out at shepherd.vet. Again, that's shepherd.vet. Have you ever walked into a space and thought, wow, this is beautiful? There's a reason for that. Architecture has this innate ability to impact emotions and perceptions. My friends at Apex Design Build bring beautiful and functional spaces for veterinarians nationwide. Apex is a fourth-generation family-run company that is fully integrated from the design, architecture, and construction process to help you mitigate risks, eliminate surprises, save money, save time, and reduce the effort on your project. Check out their amazing work and have access to their square footage calculator to help you plan your expansion or new build. Click the link in the show notes for an exclusive offer and learn more about Apex Design Build. All right, today I am joined by Dr. Mike Petty, who is the owner of the Animal Pain Center, which is a referral facility in Canton, Michigan, and he is also an author as well. And then also joined by Thomas Kyle, a repeat guest. Thomas was a guest on episode 144 previously, so if you want more of his background, tune in there. He is a fourth-year veterinary student at Washington State University. Um, We're gonna actually kind of chat with both through a newer company and some exciting stuff going on with Gecko Vet, amongst other things. But first and foremost, thank you both for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Dr. Petty, as the newbie guest, right? So since Thomas's experience, he's been here before, got his background. For those that don't know you, I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey, folks in veterinary medicine, things that you're interested in. And this is a long format podcast, so you can give me as much or as little information as you want. But I think it would be Great to kind of set the stage. So uh, I want to let you take it over. Okay, great. So, you know what? I started practicing back in 1980, maybe before either of you were born. This is true. <laughs> so I've been doing it for a really long time. And veterinary medicine has really progressed a long way since then. It was a rough start. We didn't have the kind of resources that the students have today. And We'll talk a little bit more about that with what Gecko provides. But I've been in my own practice since 1985, 
And as time went on, I focused more and more on pain management. So I have both a general practice and I have a referral practice both under the same roof. And pain is the root of a lot of stuff. There was a paper that was published, it was 2019 or 2020, that showed that up to 80% of all behavioral issues can have their root in pain. So it's always been a very, very important part for me. At the same time, it doesn't come in with a sore joint. We have to really pay attention to all the comorbidities that we might be dealing with, especially with the older animals. Arthritis in dogs is a young animal disease. It's usually secondary to things like hip dysplasia, elbow dysplasia, and so on. And so we have to deal with that. But as time progresses, it becomes more obvious and becomes more painful, and they also have other things going on. So internal medicine is really the flip side of the coin of pain management. Personally, I live out in the country. I have three Portuguese water dogs. I love them very much. I have a wife and two kids that are now out on their own, no longer on the payroll, which is, is kind of nice. Um, but there we go. Any other questions about me? I think that's a good intro. I have two kids of my own. They're absolutely still on payroll because they're far too young, but yeah. very excited about that. So this will be the first Christmas with two of them. So we have a 10-month-old and a three-and-a-half-year-old. So exciting good. times, busy times uh, yes. in the Douglas household at the moment. Michigan always been home? Yes, it has always been home for me. My wife was born in Ohio, spent a little bit of time out in New Jersey where she picked up this New Jersey accent that pervades her speech all the time. But I love her anyways. <laughs> Midwest is great. I always tell people it's a great place to raise a family, to live in Michigan's a great spot as well. So exciting yeah. news for both of you, right? Which is the announcement that Gecko Vet is a finalist in the VMX 2023 pitch competition. So I guess I'm going to ask for what's the quick pitch? What does actually Gecko Vet do? What do they solve for? So if someone was trying to understand that, how would you explain it? And this can go to either of you. Yeah. So I'll give you my take on it and then I'll pass the baton. But my take on it is that it serves two purposes. One, when we get out of veterinary school, we see an animal with an issue and the possibilities are endless. I mean, we look at it and say, this could be a hundred different things. And it is really hard to parse that out and decide what to do without spending all the clients' money on diagnostics so that when it comes time for treatment, there's nothing left in the pot for them to spend. As time goes on, we start to get this pattern recognition where we can start to focus and say, oh, I think I better check this for Addison's disease. I think I better check this for diabetes. Uh, this might be a pie or whatever. And this is just this pattern recognition. And pattern recognition is hardwired into our brain. And it's why we can I think it's an ancestral thing where if you were at the edge of the jungle and you heard a rustling, and if you worried every single time it was a lion getting ready to attack, life would be hard. You'd never get anything done. So you start to recognize that's a squirrel. Don't worry about it. That's a monkey. Don't worry about it. Whatever it might be. And we utilize this in our everyday life where we recognize certain sets of signs and symptoms that animals come in with and that owners describe, and we start to cubbyhole them. So this is a good thing up to a point. And then you get to someone like me that's been practicing for 42 years. And all of a sudden it starts to become a bad thing because I will oftentimes have my mind made up based on what the chief complaint was to the receptionist, why they made an appointment, 
what the history was to my technician and what the technician said. And I'm like, oh, this is uh, disease A, maybe B. And I go in with this preset notion. So this really detracts from our ability to practice because, again, this pattern recognition now gets in the way of always making a good diagnosis or at least considering what else might be out there, what outliers that we don't normally see. Yeah, I'm on the complete opposite side of the spectrum. I'm not practicing yet. I am in my fourth year of veterinary school, but that is something that I have seen firsthand when doctors will pattern recognition. Dog comes in with diarrhea or whatever it may be. You have your top three, four things that you think it is. Um, I think it's good to have that. But from my perspective as an almost new grad is the new buzzword right now is mentorship. Every new grad wants good mentorship. Unfortunately, you know, not every student's going to get that and you're not always going to have that. You're going to have to figure things out by yourself a lot because that's the name of the game when you sign up to be in this field. And coming out of school, you're worried that you're not going to make the right diagnosis. You're worried you're going to send a pet home not treated right and you're not going to be able to sleep at night. And Gecko Vet, for me, what I have found, it, it has taken away a lot of stress. I can give you a couple case examples even recently, but it's been really nice to kind of have that in the background where if I want to dot my I's and cross my T's and you know, like, oh, I didn't think about these five diseases that Gecko Vet gave me, I got to keep these on the back burner in case this pet doesn't get better. It keeps your eyes open, which is great, and it allows you to make the proper diagnosis and gives you a whole horde of treatment options based on which way you want to go. So from a student's perspective, it's extremely helpful from the nerve-wracking new grad side of making mistakes. But yeah, I can see, Dr. Petty, how even after 40-plus years of practicing, it's good to not always have your blinders on because you want to keep an open mindset about every diagnosis. Right. And here's the other thing, too. One of the things that I use it for a lot, so my diagnosis is right 80% of the time without further investigation, my assumptions. But what I forget about is all the comorbidities that go along with a specific disease, the things that you have to think about. An animal that has disease A may have B, C, and D as a possible comorbidity. So you can diagnose it and treat the disease properly and still lose the patient or not have them get better or whatever, unless you're thinking laterally. And that was a big part of my education. I had this ophthalmologist, his name was Dr. Gary Blanchard. He's no longer around. But when I was in veterinary school, it was almost like Gecko Vet Light. Every time we had a dog come in for an eye problem, he would always say, what else does this breed have? And what else does this eye issue may be a manifestation of something else? That lateral thinking, it's draining to think of that. It's really draining to have to think of that with each and every case. And it's nice to have Gecko Vet do it for you. Yeah, I'm always blown away the more and more that I think about just the breadth of what veterinarians see on a day-to-day -day basis and the variety of things. I'm like, yes, you have tools like this, but there's just so much knowledge and thinking through of like, yeah, step one, step two, step three, all the different possibilities of, of what you want to do. And then evaluating that and then also being a good communicator. It's just really fascinating the amount of knowledge and expertise, because if you compare yourself to the human health peers, right, they specialize in 
dentistry. They just do that. It's like, oh, well, a veterinarian does all that. Then they're doing surgery. Then they're doing this. They're doing that. And like, oh, now they're a dietitian. They're doing so many different things to do. And so on the website, I thought it was interesting because there was a piece that, that wrote, convert the data to help the veterinarians to make more informed and better decisions in the future by utilizing AI and machine learning technologies. So I'll throw this out to either of you because I think that's interesting. So my thought process would be, as the tool has more users, right? So as GeckoVet has more users, there's more things that are going on. I'm assuming then it's like coming back to saying, yes, this was correct. And then it's like feeding off of that to then get better for the next 100 users and the next 100 users, next 100 users. Is that the right way to think about it? Or you want to correct me there? It is the right way to think about it. I mean, primarily now it's 99.9% algorithm. Okay. But if we give GeckoVet feedback, and even more importantly, as um, you know, they're working on a pet app where the owners can give feedback and say it worked, <laughs> then the AI is really going to help out and start to focus. Yeah, we're in the times of data. I don't think we've ever been in a time where data is more valuable. And like you said, Dr. Petty, with especially with GeckoVet, the more data that we give it, both from the doctors and the owners, kind of their long-term plan for GeckoVet is to build that big data bank so that the algorithm and in tune with the AI can make better diagnoses quicker, faster, better, more accurate moving forward. Right. Do you think, is there a downside to cookie cutter medicine or commoditization of, of DVMs and the, the training, the expertise? Has that bit come up in conversation? You think of technology as a tool, but does it get to the point where it's a replacement of? Should veterinarians look at this as like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be out of a job because this thing's so damn good? That I mean, think about it. We have books, we have everything else that we are to utilize, and it still depends on us to be able to observe and to know what to tell it because it's like any computer thing, garbage in, garbage out. And unless you're got good diagnostic or at least observational skills, Gecko Vet's going to be useless. Yeah, I think that that's always the big fear of like a Terminator style ending if humanity is computers taking over. But again, like you said, Dr. Petty, with, you know, with Gecko Vet, it is an asset for veterinarians to use. I mean, maybe in the realm of radiology, I would be somewhat more concerned about that, but still not yet, still not to that point. I think that as many hats as veterinarians wear and the amount of things that they have to do, it would be extremely difficult to replace that. And the only thing that you can do to make it better is give veterinarians more efficient tools so they can do their job better, which is what GeckoVet does. Yeah. You had mentioned, Dr. Petty, on the pet app. So the, the Pet Compass app is the item that I think you were referencing. I don't think it's in the U.S. yet, right? It's only in Finland still. Is it's, that correct? It's only or is it in, in the Finland. US I believe it's only in beta okay. testing. Got it. But the idea being that it could still leverage the AI from the, the pet owner's perspective where it would be someone like an Isaiah that doesn't know, has no clinical knowledge that can go through and, and give feedback to help the veterinary know what's going on when they're not around and not there. Right. Is that the right way to think about it? Yep. Okay. I think the pet compass to me, what's really cool is what I've seen firsthand is a dog will go get blood work at this hospital and then it'll go get blood work at 
this hospital and that hospital and you have to make a hundred phone calls to get all the information and you can't see a trend of how things are going for that pet because you're starting from scratch. So again, it goes back to the data where you can build these data points for how this pet's been doing over time and you can see all of it. So you're not having to call three or four clinics about this pet's records. And I think that hopefully once it gets launched, that will be really great for better quality medicine. Right. We don't have a universal database like human hospitals do. So, and that is a problem. And it's been especially a problem in the pandemic where people, I can't get in here today. I'm going to try this clinic down the street and they go down there and then, oh, now I can get back to my regular vet, but I can't get in then. So we've actually been telling our clients, it's hard. It's really hard for us to do that. And in order to have continuity of care, they've got to pick someone and stick with it. But yes. So when you think about like kind of technology decisions for a practice owner, how does Gecko Vet sit? So if you were talking to Dr. Isaiah here, so I have a hospital, I have a variety of multiple DVMs, younger, older, how does Gecko Vet sit? Is it something that is rolled across the board that everyone uses? Is it something that, Thomas, to your point, that I'm trying to leverage for new grads to help bring them up to speed to get more comfortable sooner? Thoughts on how you've seen people and practice owners use it, how you would kind of suggest them to use it? Well, I'll go first, just from the experience of me having talked with people. I'm probably the oldest gecko vet user there is at 65 years old because older veterinarians are set in their ways. They know what they're doing, and they don't want to think about the fact that they might not know what they're doing. And it's really hard to break into that. I've lectured at Michigan State University in front of their business club. And I mean, some of the veterinary students were almost tearful when they heard about this. I need this and I need it yesterday. So this is going to be the big market. The other market that I think is really important is our poor brothers and sisters that are running the emergency clinics and are just freaking overwhelmed and have to make these huge decisions in 15 minutes. And most of these are internal medicine cases and I think that once this catches on in the ER community, that's probably going to be the biggest block of users outside of the new graduates. Yeah, I guess Dr. Petty hadn't even thought about emergency clinics, but that makes a lot of sense. What I've boiled it down to is kind of efficiency and effectiveness with GeckoVet. Like you said, you have to make these big decisions within 15 minutes and you want to maximize the quality of medicine that you're providing for your patient. So, I mean, if I'm coming to a practice owner and I'm trying want to sell him Gecko Vet, it's more along the lines of making sure that everybody is, you can see as many clients as you can see in a day and do it well. And the pets are treated well and everyone goes home happy. And I think, again, especially with new grads, that's extremely difficult to be confident in that decision-making. You want to bring more money into your clinic. You can be effective. You can be more efficient with this app. Like you said, Dr. Petty might be the oldest user of GeckoVet, but I think that once we can get more people on board and seeing how well it works, I think that it's kind of linearly going to go up. Yeah. And here's the other thing, aspect of it too, where I've used it and it wasn't really in GeckoVet's purview of, of, I think of their intention, but they've changed it. And I've made the suggestion, there's not a way to print out the differentials. So what I'll do is I'll do a screenshot of the top 10 differentials I've got. And that's usually where the diagnosis is. 
and I don't do this with everyone. Obviously, it's too time consuming, but you've got the really difficult cases. I can walk into a room with a client and sit down and make them a part of the team. Say, these are the things I'm looking at. These are the most likely to rule out number one and two is going to be very pricey. But with a simple expanded panel, we can rule out the next five. So what do you think about ruling out those five? And if that's okay, then we can spend the money on looking at the top two. And people love that. They love feeling in control. And especially the under 30 crowd, the under maybe 32 crowd. I mean, it's sometimes hard to even get them to make eye contact with you in the room. Sometimes I want to text them while they're sitting there across from me. <laughs> but it's kind of funny, the young clients, and they're the, the most dedicated ones, but we email them. But then we have to text them and say, there's an email waiting for you to read because they don't read their emails. But especially the younger crowd really love this. They love being involved. They love being part of the decision process. Yeah. As someone that just turned 33 earlier this month, I feel like, yeah, those 32-year-olds and younger, I mean, that's where all the problems are. Damn kids. Yeah. Tell you what. No, I love that. I think it does make sense, right? If you empower someone that knows that they don't know as much as you do, and they're coming to you and they're trusting you, and you can say, hey, here's what it looks like. This is what's going on. What would you like to do? Like, shoot, that does feel really good. And I think anyone, any age would love that too. Right now, as long as you don't give them paralysis by analysis of like, hey, here's 40 things. What do you think? Right. right. But you can come and narrow that. And I think that really, really helps because again, going back to what we talked about before, it's a tool to complement. So you already can take your skills and say, hey, I know, yeah, this chunk we can handle with this, 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 this. Okay. Here's kind of a breakdown. And then you can move forward and hopefully the care can improve as well. Right. Because you don't have to say, well, we can only get one shot at this. And so I'm going to say, this is what they want. Right. And I, yeah, it's such a good idea. Do you have anything from GeckoVet, and maybe this is a suggestion that people have made that kind of can go with them as far as like, here are the things that we think and like cross a note off to say, no, 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 yes. You can't do it within GeckoVet. I mean, you really have to do like a screenshot and print it off. So, but I mean, sense. well, I shouldn't say that within GeckoVet, you can start to delete possible diagnoses and narrow the list that way, but which is a little different than a chuck off, but in the conversations that you've had, and this could go to either of you with, with different veterinarians or peers, what do you think that they misunderstand most about GeckoVet and what it does or what it's trying to solve for or the way it works? The first time I talked to someone about it, a good colleague of mine, he said, I knew it was going to happen someday. I just hoped that I wasn't going to be here to see it. <laughs> and I think it goes back to that whole fear of here it's taking medicine out of our hands instead of really understanding what it's doing. Was there a part two of your question? Yeah, I just think you answered it, but it was more or less, what do you think is a misunderstanding or something that maybe does give people pause? And I think that's probably a good example. And I kind of asked about it earlier, right? Is it commoditizing veterinarians and, and what they can do? Right. And the answer is it can amplify or that's the goal of it, right? Not a, a replacement of. Sure. And right now, it only does internal medicine, but they're looking at things like toxicology, which would be incredibly helpful because that's not stuff we keep in our head. They're looking at possibly dermatology. That'd be a big nut to crack, but that would involve photographs and things like that. There's some things that probably will never be part of the program. And I think pain management is one of them because pain is just so complex and it's so almost intuitive as you're watching the animal and so forth. 
So there's some things that will probably never do well, like pain management, but. Your conversation you had with your colleague, Dr. Petty, is similar to the practice I'm at right now for rotation. I showed one of the veterinarians who's 66 years old, and he said something very similar. He was like, oh, well, I knew this is the way that medicine's going to be going. I think the biggest roadblock that I've hit with doctors is they have had their blinders on for 20, 30, 40 years in the field. And they say, I don't need it. I already know what it's going to be. Yeah. And so. And they're wrong. That's tough because you can't force somebody to open their brain. Yeah. It's hard to say that while also being respectful. You probably do know most of it. Like you said, 80% of the time, you know what's going on, but you can't have tunnel vision. So that's kind of the hardest thing. I generally, I mean, I'm biased because I'm with students all the time, but via the students, they are largely accepting of this as compared to well-seasoned veterinarians. Right. And another comment I had, so I was trying to get in front of a veterinary school. I won't name what the school was. It wasn't Michigan State because I did get in front of them. And so my contact there got along with the deans and they're like, no, we're not going to let our students use that because that's way too much of a crutch. And my friend that was there, he said, this reminds me of when how calculators came out and like, no, you can't do it. You can't do it. It's too much of a crutch. It isn't. You can't use a calculator unless you know how to do the math, right? (laughs) You have to know what to put into it. And he says, it reminds me exactly of that. And then 10 years later, everyone's got a calculator. They had to, they had to fold. They had to let everyone use a calculator. So maybe you guys grew up with that. But when I was in high school, I graduated in 1975. And I remember my senior year of high school, Texas Instrument came out with a little handheld calculator. And it was 150 bucks. And it did basically what the freebies do today, except it had a few sines and cosines and tangent functions on it. That was it. And I remember bringing it to school and my teachers are like, um, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. But it's okay if you use that slide rule and not get as good a result. So, yeah, <laughs> if you know what a slide rule is. <laughs> I do never used one. Yeah. <laughs> but I knew what you were talking about. Right. So about GeckoVet, what haven't I asked about that you feel like is important for people to know or understand that maybe we haven't covered yet? I guess we've kind of hit on it, but the famous words of one of my you know, mentor colleagues is you go to the veterinarian as an owner because you want your pet to be healthy, happy, pain-free, live as long as possible. And there was some percentage, I'm not going to say a number because I might be horrendously wrong, but X percentage of pets leave the vet clinic misdiagnosed every single day. And we are not living up to that standard of having pets be healthy, happy, pain-free, live as long as possible without the right tools. So I think that within using GeckoVet, you are allowing for that to happen. And again, like you said, Dr. Petty, you can't use a calculator unless you know how to do the math. So I think that a good point to hit on is that this works for veterinarians because we know how to be veterinarians, not because it's a crutch per se. Right. Right. It's a tool that streamlines things and it catches our mistake. It's back up for us. It's like a dog comes in with an ear infection or a bladder infection or something like that. I'm not pulling up GeckoVet to take a look. I mean, I know it's an ear infection, but the third ear infection in two months, I am looking at GeckoVet. What am I missing? What else might it be? Things along that line. 
So for those veterinarians that say, I know it, they probably do know most of it. But Gecko Vet can be there so that when you have that case come back and the clients are like, it's no better and I had to take a half a day off from work. And I can't imagine us saying that to our physicians, but <laughs> people feel free to say that to veterinarians. I guess kind of as a case example, in my rotation, we had a dog or patient come in, losing weight for a couple of weeks, very bloated abdomen. And the doctors looked at it. We had all three doctors looking at it and we ran blood work and protein was low. X, Y, and Z was low. And it has a protein losing enteropathy, which is a great big word, but it's an umbrella for a lot of things in animals. And if you can't figure out which one it is, you won't be able to treat the patient accordingly, which could be a huge problem with this big umbrella of diseases. And I remember I was sitting there and I was like, let me plug this in really quick. And doctors are saying inflammatory bowel disease exocrine, pancreatic insufficiency, food reactions, fungal gastroenteritis, and nobody knew what it was. They were just spewing things out for no rhyme or reason. And I put this all in, and the top differential that it gave me after some working around was something called lymphangiectasia, which is very, very internal medicine type of case. And again, you can't just diagnose that because GeckoVet says so. You have to look. It tells you do these things and then you will be able to know if this is a disease. We did those things and we diagnosed it. And if we would have used the same treatment protocol for the original diagnosis that the doctors thought it was, this pet would have been in a lot worse shape and maybe did. That sucks. Again, we're not living up to our standards as veterinarians if we're doing that. And if we have these tools, we should use them to their fullest ability yeah, right. and it was really eye-opening moment for <laughs> all these other doctors they were like oh, what what was that that you were using <laughs> and it's cool again they thought it was this this and this because that's what they've seen for 20 30 years they didn't think anything else and first differential was that and it was really really neat to uh be able to see that patient become substantially better because of the diagnosis we made one of the things that i'm kind of surprised at and this was done with a poll in finland with the veterinarians that were using it, they made an offer to integrate it into some of the management software. And the veterinarians didn't want it. They wanted it to be their secret weapon because the people that used it, they saw how smart it made them look. <laughs> but to me, it's like, what's the difference? You know, whether you open it, figure it out with a book in your head or with an algorithm. I would think they would want the integration. Yeah. But yeah. What do I know? I'm not a veterinarian. So, right. <laughs> In terms of efficiency, I would love that integration into the PIM software. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess the very business-minded question that I have is, so is it subscription-based? How does someone integrate or work with GeckoVet today? I know we kind of talked about use cases, but down to brass tack, is it a subscription-based thing? Is it an annual commitment? Like, What does it look like? Is it similar to other softwares or services that are out there when you think about the way it looks? It's a monthly fee. And it says you can buy it as an individual, or you can buy it as a group and they'll give you some kind of discount depending on the size of the group and so on. And only one person can use it. So it's not one of those things where I'm going to buy it and everybody at the clinic can use it. Well, the second someone else is using it, it bumps someone else off their stuff. You can only one log in at a time. So, I mean, it would be possible to share it, but it's not that expensive. It's 50 some dollars a month, which is in this day and age is nothing. That's a two trips to Starbucks. Well, and 
yeah, you kind of solved the Netflix problem, right? Like Netflix, when they all of a sudden people were like, oh yeah, Netflix is going to increase earnings because now you can't have one household to serve eight households or whatever. So <laughs> I get right, that. Right. You try to make it to where the investment in anyone, and I know a lot of veterans aren't the ones building, you know, kind of software as a service companies, but so much of the work goes in on the, the front end. And it's like you, you harvest on the back end from that standpoint to make it profitable in the same way that veterinary clinics don't work for free. The software and the things that go into things are going to cost money too. So I appreciate you highlighting that stuff and understanding from my perspective and others listening what that looks like. Dr. Petty, I know you're a power listener to the podcast, right? So you've listened to tons of episodes of me talking. <laughs> no, but one thing I always do with guests and Thomas is, has heard me do this before, but I always let people that are guests ask me a question. And this one's a little tough because we haven't had a chance to communicate and interact quite as much, but is there any questions that you have? So I've done call it 165-ish episodes up to this point, started in 2019. Any questions or anything that you want to know from me? And it can be personal. It can be about the podcast. It can be super broad, but anything top of mind that you want to chat on or yeah, I have not had the pleasure of listening to one of your broadcasts. So I'll, I'll ask, maybe it's going to be a really hard question for you to answer. I love it. Let's do it. Do you know Dr. Nickel, <laughs> who does the blunt dissection? I can't say I know him, but I know of. So who do you think's better? <laughs> so I've never listened to podcasts. I would say it's probably solving or doing different things, right? Yeah. So one of the key things that I think make this podcast slightly different is the way that I'm going to look at things is different and I'm not coming at it clinically, right? Yeah. And so there's going to be shortcomings where there's going to be certain episodes where if someone wants to get in the weeds and share a lot of clinical technical knowledge, I might not know enough to say, hey, that's BS and let's unpack that. Yeah. Or I might just be like, oh yeah, that sounds great, right? Right, right. I'm not going to know that where someone listening might be like, oh, you need to push in and pry on that because I don't, I think they're full of crap. Right. Yeah. And I might not yeah. be able to call that out where there could be another guest that's talking about something different that maybe is more on the business side or maybe it's somewhere else where I can maybe push or ask or dig in differently. But I think my focus is always trying to be, I think I've told this before. I want the podcast to feel like we just met after work. You pull up a stool next to someone and we're sharing, maybe it's coffee, maybe it's tea, maybe it's a beer, whatever. And we're just having a conversation. Right. And then you invite someone else into that conversation. And I want it to be approachable and interesting. So you got to have some fun with it because it's right. boring as hell. No one's right. going to listen to it. Right? right. But it also needs to be like, it's the same way as a veterinarian, your service business. Right. right. People only have so many dollars to spend. And the same way, like podcasts, there's only so many hours in the day. There's so many podcasts that I like, and I can't listen to all the people that I want to listen to. Right. So I think it just encourages and people need to stay sharp. And I think that's a good thing for veterinary medicine to have more areas of content, more people talking about stuff so that you can find A, who you resonate with most and where you can learn. Yeah. And I think if I'm playing a small role in that, then I'm all right. But that's a tough one. I always joke whenever I chat with someone that has their own podcast, I'm always like, it's the number two podcast and all that matters. I mean, I just give them crap, <laughs> but it's no, fun. there's some really awesome people. And I know you were on the veterinary innovation podcast. That's an awesome one as well. Yeah. It's it is such one. a good podcast. It is one. Great questions. Awesome hosts. That's such a good one. Yeah. So there are lots and lots of podcasts out there that are great. Yeah. Well, I, th I think you pointed out something really good is that it is a little bit different. The interview process is a little bit different with your podcast and it's enjoyable. So yeah, I'm going to try to to make it different. I don't like to listen to other people if they interview someone that I am going to interview. Yeah. I try purposely not to do that because I don't want it to feel like I'm taking questions and or having the same conversation. So I guess as we 
think about wrapping up, is there any closing thoughts, things that is on your either heart or mind that you want to share? Yeah. What I need to share is that, and I think this is especially true for the younger veterinarians is in the end, it's your passion, but it's also a job. And too many people are committing suicide over this, just the stress of the job and so forth. And if it's that bad, do something else, work in a hardware store, do whatever, but don't throw your life away just because you feel frustrated. And I think I'm not going to say something stupid like Echo Vet will reduce the suicide rate, but I think it will help reduce the anxiety associated with medicine and maybe make it a little bit more fun. And if you are out there and you're listening and you are feeling stressed and you're feeling like I can't take this anymore, think about the reasons behind it. And if it is something like it's just too much for me to have the responsibility of these animals' lives and I just too new at this and Gecko Vet is just made for you. The other comment I would want to say is I've had several veterinarians talk to me that have long COVID and they don't have the memory recall. And they sit there and stare at a patient and know what the problem is, but can't put it into words in their head and so forth. And they were like, Gecko Vet was made for me. And, and I know that there's some long COVID veterinarians that are using this. Interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Thomas, anything? I know it's hard to follow that, but just throwing it out there. Yeah, goodness gracious. (laughs) I think to your point of helping younger veterinarians, when I stumbled across Gecko Vet and I tried it for the first time, I felt a massive weight off my shoulders. There's nothing more scary than real life, and I am about to dive into that after school, and there's nothing scarier than thinking you did something wrong to a patient. And I think that once I've found out what Gecko Vet could be, I don't think there'll ever be a time in my career that I don't use this to assist me. Maybe you don't need it. Maybe you do. I think that it all depends on who you are, but I think that in the end, it will help you no matter what. And as a new grad, it's going to help me sleep at night and it's going to get the patients home a lot healthier. But yeah, I'm very excited to be a part of Gecko Vet. I know they're going to be at VMX in January and their pitch competitions. I'm excited to see where this company goes over the next couple of years. It's so crazy to me that it took a small group of people in Finland to start a company like this when there are so many big corporations in America that just didn't really think of it. So it's really cool to see where it started. I'm excited to see where it'll finish too. So one quick side to the Finnish vets developing this. So I've lectured in a lot of places around the world, including Finland. And I have never had a veterinary group make me break out in a sweat with the questions they asked, except in Finland. They are probably the most well-educated veterinarians in the world. So to me, it is not a surprise that this is where it came from. (laughs) Interesting. I love that story. Huh. (laughs) That's awesome. That is great. I think that's a great spot to put a bow on it. For those that are looking to learn more Connect, is it the website where you would send them? Is there anywhere else that would be a a good spot? Geckovet.com. Perfect. We'll put it in the show notes and really appreciate both of you coming on and spending some time to chat on this. Dr. Petty, are you going to be at VMX? Yes. And I'm not sure if I'm doing the second pitch there or not. They wanted me to do the first pitch, but I was on vacation in Belize on basically was an island in the Caribbean 
And the internet connection was like, it took me two minutes just to download a single email. And I said, this is never going to happen. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so, but I will it's be. Like, there. I got to call it awesome. I'll be there as well. And a rumor that Thomas is going to be in bright green scrubs walking around. So <laughs> Great. it should be easy to find. Okay. Yeah. But thank you both. And <laughs> this was a pleasure. So appreciate the time and we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Isaiah. All right. So there are a lot of new job postings. I'm going to read through these again. Please let me know if you reach out, connect with anyone, and this becomes a full-time or part-time opportunity for anybody. So the first one is a Central Indiana private practice equine or companion health practitioner, Janison Veterinary Clinic. So JVC is a six-doctor, team-oriented, AHA accredited hospital with a focus on progressive veterinary medicine, quality patient care, and excellent client relations. Four-day work week with rotating Saturdays, dedicated assistant or licensed veterinary technician, Compensation is a base and bonus structure. Lots of benefits, too many for me to list. Bayside Hospital for Animals. Great work-life balance in beautiful Fort Walton Beach, Florida. Minutes away from the beach. Who doesn't love that? No weekends, Monday to Friday, 8 to 5. No on-call or emergencies. Currently a two-and-a-half doctor, non-corporate, small animal practice. Uh, lots of growth in that area. Associate position, happy to offer mentorship for new grads. ProSal uh, with lots of benefits, too many for me to list as well. Point Grey Veterinary Hospital in Vancouver, beautiful British Columbia, Canada. Associate Veterinarian with ownership opportunities for the right person, privately owned, fear-free certified, and they are one of three in the lower mainland. No catches, no hidden terms, no negative accrual, no non-compete, fully transparent. Be part of an inclusive team, a company you have a voice in, salary up to 170, including a 22 to 25% commission, visa sponsorship considered. Newport Veterinary Hospital, Newport Vermont, growing, thriving, rural, small animal practice with a touch of daytime urgent care on the uh, Vermont-Quebec border, seeking the right veterinarian to enjoy the team, full-time preferred, but part-time considered as well, privately owned, value the staff and doctors equally with clients and patients, core values are integrity, motivation, empowerment, cleanliness, education, and compassion. If you love the outdoors, Vermont's hard to beat, list a ton of stuff for you to do there, um, and on compensation, Basically, it's bottom line. You can write your own ticket within the boundaries of production. The goal is the forward-thinking owner is reasonable, would love to chat, and build something that fits for you. And so there are open discussions there on that front. Associate veterinarian, part-time or full-time, Fulton County Veterinary Clinic uh, in Indiana. Uh, are you looking for an oasis in the chaos? Do you want to be valued for your individuality and ingenuity? They offer and strive to foster a fun, fast-paced work environment while providing quality patient care, utilize support staff effectively so that the doctor is available to do more medicine and less time doing paperwork. No emergency on call, no after hours, no weekend work will ever be required. Um, flexible scheduling, competitive salary between 100 and 150,000. Signing bonus benefits, uh, too many to include, but one interesting one there as well is a mental health sabbatical. So those are all the offerings. I'm sure there will be more at some point. I'm going to have to say I can't read all of them, but uh, if you have one, keep them coming. And I hope that is helpful. With that, thank you so much for listening as always. And I love feedback. So let me know if there's anything you would like to hear more about or things you want to hear less about. And with that, have a great week. Thanks for listening to today's show. The comments made on today's show should not be taken as investment, tax, or legal advice. 
All comments are for educational purposes only. You should consult your team before implementing anything. Isaiah Douglas is a partner of Vincere Wealth Management. Isaiah is registered in the state of Indiana, California, Texas. The biggest compliment you can give to this podcast is to share it with a friend. Reviews help the show get found, and Apple Podcasts is the platform that predominantly is how people listen to the show. If you have three to five minutes, you like the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts, give us an honest rating and review that'll help more people find the show. For all of today's links and information, head over to veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. There you can subscribe via your favorite podcast platform so you won't miss another episode. Finally, if you'd like more information, insights, and have the ability for your voice to be heard and interact with show guests, join the private Facebook group. You can go to the Veterinary Success Podcast on Facebook or head over to the veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. Scroll all the way to the bottom where it says about your host and then click on the Facebook icon. That'll bring you into the Facebook group. I'll approve you. You'll be in. And then I'd love to hear your questions, feedback, and anything that you'd like to see added to the show. So with all that, thank you so much for listening. I'll be talking again to you soon.